Good morning. It's Thursday, August 8th, and you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz, a daily podcast catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news, all within 15 minutes or fewer. My name is Connor Tapp, and I'm joined this and every weekday by 24-7 Sports College Sports Editor Trey Scott. Trey, since uh, I am not governed by the NCAA, I am happy to give you my injury report, which is that I am day-to-day with a severe case of not being a morning person. Yeah, Connor, we got a lot of coffee brewing over here, and I'll, I'll dive right in. College football is not going the way of the NFL as far as the reporting of injuries go. The NCAA had explored the possibility of standardized injury reports this fall, and whether that's a simple active or out, or even the kind you see in fantasy football, such as questionable, doubtful, etc., I do not know. But its Board of Governors announced Wednesday that such a report is not viable. We think that makes sense, right? There are 130 FBS teams in college football. Each team has 85 scholarship players. That's just a lot more volume to sift through and monitor and enforce than the 32 NFL teams with 53 players. Here's what, the, here's what I think is most interesting about this, though. The exploration of such an injury report was not done so that betters would have more information to help them make their plays. The main reason the NCAA looked into an injury report like this was so athletes and school administrators would not be able to provide or be compelled to provide that injury information to people associated with gambling. The NCAA still supports its rules prohibiting that sort of insider trading and obviously hopes that doesn't happen, but right now there's nothing they can do about it, said Ohio State's Michael Drake, the chairman of the Board of Governors. The membership has significant concerns about the purpose, parameters, enforcement, and effectiveness of a player availability reporting model. Such an injury report would also be problematic for the NCAA because of federal laws that safeguard student and patient privacy. Sports gambling is legal now in 13 states, and the lax attitude toward it has accelerated. A major no-no just five years ago, ESPN's college game day now lists spreads and odds You know, you kind of get the feeling that in five or ten years, this won't be the case, that we will have these massive injury reports the way the NFL does. But for now, your best bet to getting information on college football's cloak and dagger injury news is subscribing to your favorite team site at 247sports.com. Yeah, uh, for many of the reasons, like getting getting all the college teams to do NFL injury reports as you laid out would be just a massive undertaking because there are just so many more teams and so many more players but you do feel like there has to be some kind of middle ground between what we've got now where like Jim Harbaugh can get away with not releasing a depth chart for like the entire season or whatever it was he did a couple of years ago and um and and, and some more formalized reporting model than than what we've got now so yeah you're right that's why i was so excited about you know the legalization of gambling in so many states and yeah the what the lax attitude i mentioned is not even for the gambling purposes but for the covering of college football this should make college football like a better sport to consume if we have those injury reports if we have depth charts that aren't littered with nine different oars uh Right. And I, so I wasn't even thinking about that from a gambler's perspective. But no. now, yeah, I mean, you could absolutely, Connor, think of all the people involved in college football who like are involved on an not unofficial basis, but like a booster or a trainer or someone who gets to go to practice. Like it would not be hard for them to be contacted by, you know, someone associated with, with sports betting. So 
it's kind of a shame that they can't figure out a way to make this work. You do understand that like, yeah, 130 different injury releases would be nearly impossible to enforce. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a lose lose situation here. Uh, speaking of uh, dirty doings and violations, uh, Clemson football has released its list of self-reported NCAA violations on Wednesday. There were 13 secondary violations in total. Secondary violations, as the name implies, not all that serious, but possible fines, vacation of records, and scholarship reductions are all in play. Uh, going through the itemized rundown of the rules broken, however... It all seems pretty tame. We've got a few social media posts that impermissibly feature a recruit's image or mention them by name. We've got a life skills questionnaire that Clemson mailed to 221 prospective student athletes prior to their junior seasons. Heaven forbid. We've even got what appears to be a classic providing cream cheese for the bagels violation as the Tigers were dinged for using confetti during a photo shoot that took place during a prospective student-athlete's official visit. Uh, We've got a couple of instances of coaches being in locations they weren't approved to be at uh, for recruiting purposes. And the only thing that even remotely rings of good old-fashioned pay-to-play, even potentially, is a violation from February 5th, 2019, wherein a student-athlete received payment from an owner of a private residence to work on three occasions and was compensated above the going rate for the work that was completed. Man, like rival fan bases love this stuff <laughs> so much. Like this is their favorite kind of content to consume. You mentioned it. Like this is all pretty tame. The uh, compensation above the going rate was interesting. Obviously, though, these are secondary. You know, like the, the damage is done. There's not going to be like any. No one's going to be put on probation or the death penalty here. But I think it's funny, like we've had a few of these cases during the offseason. Ohio State, I believe Alabama had one too. Tennessee had a few ridiculous ones. And it's like none of these are big deals. But like for the day, this is like the story in the college football recruiting bubble. Yeah, I in, in doing some research, I, I found a story with a lead, something along the lines of, looks like Dabo Swinney isn't running such a squeaky clean program after all. And I was like, come on. Oh <laughs> like <gosh>. when you run... <laughs> Like these are all just the kind of stupid social media violations that happen when you have to be running a large operation and, you know, you're not able to follow rules with a 100% success rate. Uh, it's nothing to freak out about. I don't think, I mean, there, there are a couple of things involving coaches, uh, uh, being on campuses they shouldn't have been on. And, and that one, uh, uh, payment above the going rate thing, but it, it does not seem like anything is likely to come out of this. Um, th- there was some other Clemson news uh, yesterday, uh, quite a bit of Clemson news yesterday. Uh, Dabo Sweeney addressed some concerns raised at SEC Media Days when Kelly Bryant was asked uh, about his feelings about not receiving a national championship ring, or maybe whether he had received one at all, and he kind of seemed a little bit bent out of shape about not having received one. Uh, and so that kind of became its own news story. And then Dabo had a chance to address that on Wednesday. And he said he wasn't on the team. You've got to be on the team to get a ring. Uh, I love Kelly and appreciate what he did for us, but he decided to move on. Uh, seems fairly straightforward to me. I don't know. Very straightforward. Very blunt. Uh, and we were there when Kelly Ryan was asked about that. He did seem hurt. 
And it, I read the story that, in, that Dabo told that to ESPN's Chris Lowe. They have, Kelly Bryant and Dabo have not spoken since Kelly Bryant left the team. Uh, so I think both sides kind of feel some type of way about that. That was an action-packed or jam-packed interview, I should say. Dabo also addressed with ESPN any haters of Clemson's regular season grind. Uh, here's a quote. The SEC is a great conference, but I don't think they've been as deep the last few years. I think they've had two or three good teams, and then it's kind of been hit or miss from there. It's an awesome league for sure, and I know people say that Alabama was tired during the – this is my quote right here – during the 44-16 loss, back to Dabo, because they went through the grind and had to play all those teams. Well, they won by an average of 33.1 points per game going into, into the playoffs, so they ought to be well-rested. And you look at Clemson, and we, we won 12 games by 20-plus. Who really challenged Alabama in the SEC? They didn't get challenged by anybody until the Georgia game for the SEC championship, unquote. I mean, he, he makes a good point. Like, the season average of mar, margin of victory was Clemson 31.3, Alabama 27.5. And we did spend most of the season saying two is not going to get the stats to have the Heisman Trophy because he didn't get to play in the fourth quarter. So the war of words continues, and I cannot wait until Clemson, Alabama, part five in New Orleans later Later this year, in January. We're um, just penciling that Connor, in. Uh, go ahead. We're just penciling that in. Yeah, I, with in ink, actually. Um, today's trivia, again, if you have a good trivia suggestion, please leave it in, a rev- in the review section on Apple Podcasts. There is a rivalry referred to as the Deep South's oldest rivalry and another one known as the South's oldest rivalry. Both have played 122 times. How many of the involved teams can you guys name? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, we're back from that break. The answer to that was Georgia and Auburn in the Deep South's oldest rivalry and North Carolina and Virginia in the South's oldest rivalry. Both of those series began in 1892 and are still kicking today. On to the quick hitters. The Tennessee Volunteers did not have the best day on the news front at all. Senior Emmett Gooden was the presumptive leader of a defensive line that lost all of its 2018 starters until Coach Jeremy Pruitt announced that Gooden suffered a torn ACL during fall camp, and he's going to be out for the season. A JUCO transfer a year ago, who you might remember from Season 3 of Last Chance U, that first season at Independence, Gooden had 33 total tackles and a sack in that reserve role last year. On the other side of the ball, Tennessee offensive lineman Nathan Niehaus suddenly decided to leave the team. Niehaus started six games for Tennessee at right guard last season and was expected to compete for a starting job somewhere on the line this fall. Tennessee at least has a very talented group of offensive line newcomers, including former five-star freshman Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright, who make up two of Tennessee's 13 scholarship offensive linemen. So hopefully they're fine there, but they will miss Emmett Gooden dearly. Yeah, and if you're a Tennessee fan who wants to go deeper on that Emmett Good News, our uh, Tennessee podcast, Go Vols 24-7, has a 15-minute episode dedicated just to that up right now. Um, Oklahoma defensive back Trey Norwood missed the Sooners' practice on Tuesday evening with a lower leg injury and was seen leaving the practice field on crutches with his knee wrapped up. 
The junior started all 14 games for OU a year ago and was fifth on the team with 58 tackles. His absence, if it's for any significant period of time, would impact the Sooners greatly in the secondary and at the nickelback position where he was firmly in a battle with freshman Bookie Radley Hiles for the starting spot. Oklahoma's defense was 109th in passing yards per attempt a year ago, but they're hoping to rejuvenate a unit that has been a liability the past several seasons under new defensive coordinator Alex Grinch. Yeah, the talk is Norwood. That's going to be a serious injury. Nothing's official yet, but I would not be surprised if he's out for the season. Uh, Oklahoma fans were disappointed last year in Radley Hiles' play. I think he did redshirt, um, so hopefully he, he redshirt freshman now. Hopefully he steps up uh, because they need all the help they can get. The SEC released its 2020 football schedule on Wednesday, and a highlight includes the Georgia-Auburn Deep South's oldest rivalry game already plugged, being moved to October now as opposed to November, as Brandon Marcello of Auburn Undercover had been reporting for quite some time. This is nice for Auburn because it allows them to not have to play Georgia and Alabama in such close proximity. But the tricky trade-off for it, next fall at least, is that it slots LSU in Georgia's November place for Auburn. So it'll be LSU and the Tide in consecutive weeks. I'm not sure that's any better. Uh, however, as far as the schedule goes, I am most excited about Alabama hosting Georgia in mid-September. Alabama versus Georgia next September. Uh, can we get to a tongue of Iloa and Jake Fromm to return for their senior seasons after that one? <laughs> uh, Netflix's Last Chance You franchise will return for a fifth season, this time at Laney College in California. The California JUCO is a totally different way of life. No scholarships, no provided dorm life. So this should be pretty interesting. Laney went 11-12 last year and claimed a number one JUCO rating in the nation in a press release. But we can't find anything official on that. So maybe we've got a UCF situation on our hands with a claimed number one. I think we do. Uh, Florida State landed four-star running back Lawrence Toafili the number 13 ranked running back in the 24-7 sports composite for the class of 2020. Last week, you you might remember the Knowles landed four-star all-purpose back Jalen Knight, and Willie Taggart's club is on a roll. That's going to do it for today's episode of the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend to check us out. For Trey Scott, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you bright and early on Friday for the next edition of the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz.